Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker, sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts, michaelsflooringoutlet.com. On the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. And welcome to Overnight America. This Sunday night, look at that. Right before we went to the break towards the top of the hour, the last segment there of Walter Sterling's show, there was a man that called in from Southern Illinois that listens through KMOX and mentions that we don't air the third hour of Walter's show. (laughs) You may be listening right now. I didn't catch your name. I'm sorry. You're the guy that said you lived in an RV for 11 years and you liked the first two hours and you said, Uh, You know, they got this guy on at 11. He's good in his own right, but, uh, you know, he's on the rest of the week. And I feel like I've heard that argument brought up before. So if you're still listening, call in. (laughs) Call into the show. 314-436-7900. I hope you're still there, and I hope that you still do listen to KMOX after 11 o'clock. That is great. It was kind of neat to hear the shout-out. We used to get all kinds of shout-outs from Walter Sterling. It seems like we don't get those as much anymore. He's very focused on his uh, his show and the things that he does with his show. All right, so on the uh, big program here tonight, we got a couple hours together. You can always reach me online if you wanted to text the show. I keep the text messaging up. And a little bit later in the next hour at 12.30, we hook up with our friends in Canada. Back with them yet again. Always feeling good when we get to spend this time with our friends in Canada and Shane Hewitt's going to join us at 1230. And then in the last hour, we have a couple of best of uh, replay interviews from this past week. So we got the first couple hours live at least. And I saw this one quick thing from CBS and I haven't received my vaccination yet. I plan on doing it and I should probably be more proactive. I just saw everyone saying, Oh, I have to, I had to drive two hours and it, I had to get it right away. Cause I wanted the thing. And I thought there's no way I'm driving two hours to get a vaccine. And then it becomes more available and you start to see more places offering it. And there's more and more locations, things like that. So it's it's the availability is a lot better now. So I feel like I should start paying more attention. I'll eventually get it. I just didn't feel like I needed to jump in there and hop as fast as I could because there were a lot of people that are a much higher risk than I am. You know, I'm young and healthy, well, relatively young in I would say under normal circumstances, considered healthy. So is my family. So we're going to uh, get that, but just not yet. And I see the photos online 
of people taking it, you know, little selfies with their vaccination card. And they hold it up there. Oh, I'm so proud. I got my vaccination card, you know, showing it off as in if everyone in the world was really worried. Oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad she got it. Oh, I was losing sleep over it. No, not really. But, you know, I get it. People are excited and they show it the same way. They get excited over a ham sandwich. A hundred million Americans have received at least one COVID-19 vaccination shot. It's a four by three paper vaccination record card. And they're saying, what should you do with it after you receive it? Some say you should laminate it. Others say don't laminate it because then it makes it more difficult for you to modify it. If you get something else done, maybe a booster shot, things like that. Some people hold on to these things in their record keeping right next to their social security card and their birth certificate in case they ever need it. The deed to their house in the title to their car. It's like all in the same place. I need to keep this vaccination card. They point out in the CBS story that they will eventually have a more sophisticated way of holding on to these things. So the physical document that you hold on to might not be necessary by the time boosters come around end of the year, next year, whatever it may be. They do say this one tip, and this does make sense. Photograph your card, not to post it on social media, They don't go out there saying, oh, thank goodness, it's important that you must post on your Facebook page, you holding up this card. But that's not the case. They say photograph your record card on both sides so you can have a digital copy of it in case you lose it, which makes sense. But they also say that by the time this digital system comes into place, it'll be pretty easy to pull this stuff up on record. So it's not going to be as important, but at least right now, They want you to run around town like Willy Wonka holding up the golden ticket and make it sound like you just got your exclusive uh, ability to go into the chocolate factory. Uh, So, yeah, take it. uh, It says share your uh, one thing you shouldn't do. Share your personal proof on Facebook. So the CDC telling you right now, identity theft makes it a much more uh, vulnerable position. So all the people that have been posted online, they're not recommending you do that. It's like posting any other information that you wouldn't want someone to profile you on or give you the ability for them to spoof you or whatever. Um, And this says leave the original at home. Just leave it at home. You got a digital copy in case you need it. Say you save it on your phone or whatever it is in case it does come up. And, hey, here's a picture of it, but I don't keep the physical one. It's not small enough for you to keep in a wallet. It's not like you're going to be able to just slip this thing in there. I guess women, if you have a purse, it's a lot easier. But if you just keep something smaller, one of those small purses, it's going to be a little bit more difficult knowing that you keep about a million other things inside of there. So what happens if you lose it? It says if you do lose your card, every time a vaccine is administered, the provider records it with the state as part of the registry. So it'll be right there. Uh, No universal standard is set yet. And I hope they don't do vaccine passports. It's not looking like they will, but let's uh, not go down that road. And they also say beware of bogus vaccination cards. Scammers are capitalizing on this little piece of paper because it's easy to counterfeit. It's not like United States currency where it's difficult to counterfeit and do right. It's something that pretty much anyone could do with the right card stock and they can make it look nice or whatever. Scam cards are being advertised for $20 a pop and offered in bulk. Isn't that something? As everyone's still trying to figure out ways to relieve the anxiety, they do say that there are things you can do. There's different tools provided. 
in order to try to make this as less stressful as possible and good for them for doing it. If you've received your card, uh, I don't know where you keep it, but hopefully some of that will help you. And as you get ready to maybe even get your second dose and round that off for the time being, well, good for you. I'm glad that you've taken the initiative. I have been a little bit more hands-off-ish, so I, it's time for me to jump on this boat here pretty soon. You know, USA Today gave St. Louis a major shout-out. This is not in a good way, though. It was part of their story about violent crime surging across the United States. Not good at all. We're going to talk about that in the violent crime in St. Louis. We're open the next couple of hours, so if you want to call in, I'd love to hear from you. 314-436-7900 or 800-925-1120. Also, shout-out to Mark, who may be listening in this car who is uh, running things at the KMOX studio right before you left there. And he said, hey, I finally listened to you right on the way home. He may be listening right now. So if he is, a uh, major shout out to him. It's Overnight America KMOX. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Overnight America with Ryan Recker is sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michael'sFlooringOutlet.com On the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Let's take a look at some crime statistics in the city of St. Louis. If you were to go back just one year to 2020, we know that was a particularly difficult year for the city when it comes to homicides, but it's not uniquely difficult because St. Louis wasn't the only city that is troubling, uh, has these troubling statistics. Year to date, at the end of April of 2020, there were 49 homicides. At the end of 2019, there were 45 homicides. As of right now, the last number that was updated by the St. Louis Police Department, and this is as of yesterday, so it doesn't even include today, the number of homicides we've had so far in the city of St. Louis on April 10th, the last day updated, was 50. So if you look at the year that was last year, where we had a, just a terrible terrible time trying to battle these homicides and the number kept going higher and higher to a 50 year high we've already surpassed that and it's only 11 days into april not good if we were to go over i think it's 70 homicides by the end of may we might even hit 70 homicides oh i don't know by the end of this month the way things are going this is not good if last year was bad things are 
uh, a little worse right now. And I know the summer months are the months that are the absolute worst. Would you get a lot of combination of the way the weather is, the way everything is? Um, I don't know what it would take to try to slow it down then, but all signs don't point to it slowing down. All signs point to it being the way it is, the way it is right now. Because a lot of the way the different methods of that uh, the, 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 the Crusade administration now is going to be going over to a more progressive administration here in a few days. We still have Kim Gardner as the circuit attorney. All of these things are not improving the situation. And there was a story in the USA Today. I think it was an opinion piece. It's called Why Violent Crime Surged After Police Across America Retreated. And I'm looking at some of this and some of the statistics nationwide. Well, that's strange. Last year, we had the highest total of homicides in the country since 1995, 20,000 murders, 25% surge in murders from data in 2020. And they say that police is to blame. But as USA Today points out, maybe it's the lack of police that is to blame. And I think this argument is stronger than the ones that might be contrary to those out there says that in wake of the May and June unrest, public officials' decisions to grow hostility towards policing left law enforcement demoralized and in some cases defunded. Look at the areas that had a defunding of police and look at the crime spikes in places like that. And think of all the residents that are there living there and they're looking at it and they are shouting and screaming, you have to bring police back to these neighborhoods. If you talk to the people in St. Louis in some of these neighborhoods that are hit the hardest, you know what they're asking for? They're asking for more policing. You know what they're not asking for? <laughs> Social workers. And they're not asking for uh, to be ignored. And they're not asking to be the brunt end of the understaffing that continues on. And they're not asking for um, the blind spot that goes on because of the drug deals and everything else that continues on in these neighborhoods. There's just not enough manpower to police this. They're not asking for that. That's not what they want. They want help, but they're not getting it. And some of it is purposeful. They look at it and say, well, you know, as part of this administration inside of the city of St. Louis, we have a better way of doing it. And we're not going to put up to the recommended number of police officers that were budgeted for. So I just we're going to have to figure out a way to, uh, you know, get around not answering 911 calls. Ooh, this isn't good. So they continue on as part of this USA Today story from June through the end of this February, Chicago police made 31,000 fewer arrests. And this is, I think, a big part of the progressive push where they say, well, we're going to try to retreat the police. We'll discourage prosecution because, hey, if we look at this as a low level type of deal, then we're just not going to bother with it. We're just going to decide not to prosecute. And that's why the prosecution rates, even the ones they decide to take up, are I mean, pitiful in the city of St. Louis, just pitiful. The last statistics show that it was, what, 50 percent of getting a guilty. That's terrible. And you look at the different surrounding areas where there's 75 to 85 percent. That's what the normal number is. 50 percent is terrible. Maybe it's because a lot of the time in St. Louis, they're focusing on things like high profile cases, things that they shouldn't be spending our resources on. Like, oh, I don't know, uh, the Greitens case. Or the McCloskey case are two great examples of that. And then the circuit attorney herself is someone that is being looked at and investigated into. Let's not forget the perjury charges that are on the table based around this 
case that happened with Eric Reitens. That isn't going away anytime soon. Then she has her own cases where she has to defend herself, and she was trying to get the taxpayers to pay for it. A lot of her time and resources are there to defend herself, but she's not defending those that are victims in the city of St. Louis effectively. And not only is she stretched thin, she also has a problem where a lot of the staff members decided to leave because they didn't want to be part of this progressive platform either. All of the different veterans that worked inside of this uh, attorney, circuit attorney's office when she went into office left. They said, see you later. This is not what I signed up for, mostly because it was in such disarray and dysfunction with the changeover to this new administration. It has not been effective. I don't think anyone could look around and say we're getting better when it comes to prosecuting. Uh, can anyone say that? There's nothing that indicates it. I mean, other than a CBS uh, 60 Minutes puff piece that was very much not representing the uh, problems that we're facing here in St. Louis. Very bad. All right. Let's look at some of the different statistics. It says in New York City, uh, New York police logged 45,000 fewer arrests from June to December, a 38 decline percent decline while they had 100 additional homicides. That's a 58% increase. Going back to the Chicago one, uh, 53% decline uh, as murders rose 65%. So they had 53% arrests, but 65% higher murders. In Louisville, where massive unrests included the shooting of two officers during a protest, homicides jumped 87%. And the police made 35% vehicle uh, less vehicle stops since June, where the arrests have continued to plummet. From Los Angeles and Houston to New Orleans and Minneapolis, the political response to the unrest led to depolicing and the resulting record of violence. And then here's the shout-out to the city of St. Louis. Already bloody St. Louis hit a 50-year homicide high, a rate of 87 per 100,000 residents a rate three times higher than Mexico in Central America. What a great way to be recognized as part of this, really. What a great way. What a great way. How bad is that? That when we have to go back and look at these statistics, we have to realize that what we're doing is killing our city. And this has to be reversed and stopped. But do we have any any idea how to do it except no because what the people have voted in st louis is to lean harder into this they've decided to lead harder into the policies and lead harder into the philosophies that have a murder rate higher than mexico and central america and if you thought last year's 50 year high rate was bad how about now where we're tracking even higher it says preventative policing reduces crime as in policing on the streets, the police getting into the streets, keeping an eye on things. That's what people are asking for in these places, in these neighborhoods where things are really bad. It says that in 2015, when the ACLU lawsuit reduced Chicago's police ability to make stops and searches, the killings jumped 58% on the streets, 82% in 2016, according to research. Baltimore had similar problems as well. Arrest fell, murders rose. Police hit a 30-year high with 500 homicide victims in 2020 in Philadelphia. Not good. Um, you also have Portland Mayor Ted Wheeler defunding the Portland police by $12 million and eliminated three police units. 
Shootings went up 173%, and murders jumped 255%. Do I need to read those numbers again? This isn't tiny numbers. Shootings went up in Portland 173%, and murders jumped 255%. Witnesses go out there and talk about gun violence, and this is just the new reality. If we're going to say police are the enemy, we need to get rid of the police on the street. We need to defund. We need to let, um, you know, because ultimately when police are around, bad things happen. This this um, really terrible mindset that people have been lied to about over and over and over again. We find these statistics right there in your face. It's almost like. You know, when, when we talk about you have to believe the science, I feel like I'm going to start saying it about the numbers that come into these cities that have adopted these really progressive policies. We have to believe the science that this isn't working and you need to change tune real quick. I, I think that's where we're at right now. All right. Uh, if you want to talk about that, 314-436-7900. Sundays are a pretty slow night. So if you're out and just kind of hanging around, feel free to call in. Got a couple of other things I want to get to on the show tonight, but I saw this one story over in Kansas City. KSHB is the news agency, and them cleaning up I-70. And I thought, this is kind of an interesting thing. They're going to different places, uh, viaducts and bridges and things where homeless normally camp and cleaning up those areas. So I wanted to talk about this because maybe I'm missing part of the bigger story. So we'll talk about that after the break, too. It's Overnight America, KMOX. I saw this story in Kansas City, Channel uh, 41 out there. KSHB is the uh, report. And what they decided to do is follow some volunteers around as they're picking up trash because they said that 70s looking pretty rough right about now. Didn't we already talk about this here in St. Louis, how things have been a little bit, well, I don't know, trashy in the sense that there's just a lot of trash on the ground? I learned that there are jobs that they're still trying to fill within the city where they have trash collectors and people going around picking up loose trash that's on the ground, but they're down and they're just having a hard time hiring that, which I don't know, could be a safety issue. And some people may say, well, I don't know if I want to really walk around downtown because it could be a problem. Some would say even in daylight, they might feel a little uneasy and can you blame them and they might be targeted or whatever, which just is un- it's not unfair to say that, that people, would be afraid to do that. It might just be that people don't want to work right now. Maybe they don't want to pick up a low paying job. The benefits are still good enough, which we'll talk about again this hour. The mindset that if the benefits are good enough to prevent you from working, then you're going to find that some people opt not to work. So KSHB talked about volunteers going around and picking up trash. On this beautiful Sunday, Janessa really organized this group of volunteers to pick up trash and some of the items people have left behind under the I-70 bridge at Truman and the Paseo. We're likely going to get like 50 bags or so today. So by me calling 311, they do a trash pickup and it's just very easy with, you know, the resources I have to get that stuff taken care of. She was inspired. So she is going around she picks up trash they leave the bags of trash they call 311 and someone else picks up those bags of trash this is what i'm thinking about in st louis they have employer employees people they pay to pick up trash that they can't get out there to actually pick it up 
In Kansas City, I'm sure they have something similar. I'm sure they have people that are paid by the city through your tax money to do this job, but either they're understaffed or whatever it is, or they're just not getting the job done, or they're not focusing on these areas. So she says, what I want to do is volunteer to pick up trash and pick up where the city or the county or the whatever isn't actually doing the job. So I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about this and I'm thinking, okay, the motivation is, do you want to pick up trash or are you trying to help something else? Because let me play this a little bit further because I don't know if her motivation is to pick up trash. Inspired to take action after Scott Six Ike froze to death outside last winter. Listening to people's stories from volunteering at shelters um, and just seeing what I can do just from the sidelines, picking up trash for a couple of hours on a Sunday, that's very easy. Even with the surgery a few days away, Michael, who is experiencing homelessness, came out to help too. I really do care about the other people that are out here with me, you know what I mean? So I'm not... This ain't for no publicity or anything like that. It's just showing that I have love for my community. And all of this is happening. Now, hold up here. So she's picking up trash to help the homeless? I don't know. That seems like a weird cross-reference. Because if you are wanting to help the homeless, I'm guessing there are things that you could do that would help the homeless. I don't know if picking up the trash that they leave behind as part of their encampments are the things that are really helping them the most. Is it to, to, to tidy up their areas? that they're not tidying up after they leave and, and move. I see this doesn't make sense to me. If you want to help the homeless volunteer at some of these different shelters or soup kitchens or churches or get a coat drive in clothes, drive, sock drive, food drive, anything. There's a lot of different ways you can actually help the homeless give money. You can volunteer directly to help them find jobs or whatever, uh, do anything. Is picking up trash the thing that's going to help the homeless or not? Because when I think about volunteering, I think it's weird to volunteer to do something the government has an obligation to do and are not doing. That to me seems a little bit weird. Like here, I'm paying taxes. You should be doing these things. You're not doing these things. So I'm going to volunteer to do the things you should be doing. It's like individual crews going out there and filling potholes because they're just getting tired because they're not going around filling these things in time. Yeah, I just got some spare asphalt. I'm just going to go around plopping in these potholes on 70. And that would be nice, right? So we're just going to block it off. We'll send the volunteers out. Don't worry. We're going to wear the vests. It'll be fine. See, I don't know. This is happening at a time when people in the houseless community are really pushing for better opportunities and a seat at the table. We So they call it a houseless community instead of homeless? House is houseless the more politically correct term now that I haven't learned about? Rain, snow, sleet, and hail to come together on common terms and try to use our collective voice to effect policy and change. So this is um, someone that was speaking to the press. They were showing this on the screen, but it was a group of homeless people that were in front of the city hall. And they were protesting in front of city hall as they were setting up because they weren't getting treated fairly. Does that sound familiar, too? Because that's a St. Louis issue. We have also the homeless that don't get treated fairly, that's set up in front of City Hall and are somewhat ignored. You have people like Larry Rice in town who have been doing this for many years and have been helping the homeless for decades that purposely set this up in front of City Hall because he wants them to see 
that this is a population that are being underserved and not being taken care of properly when there's an obligation to take care of them. Oh, and by the way, the city hassles you if you try to uh, pick up the pieces and help them yourself. And so that's what they did to his homeless shelter. It's really terrible. Now, to give credit, at least the city decided to put together these tiny homes in order to try to help the, the homeless in some way. But it's a, you know, it's a little bit it's a little bit of a help having these problems where they can't get to bed when it's really cold, having these problems where they can't get an opportunity or move around or, oh, I don't know, some of these surrounding areas. If there is someone homeless, you find videos of police picking them up and dropping them off in St. Louis. So there's someone else's problem. This is tough. This is a, the tough reality of where we are. The Kansas City Homeless Union, after months of camping out on the front lawn of City Hall, reached a four-step agreement with Mayor Quinton Lucas and the city, including relocation to hotels, turning vacant homes into affordable housing and job opportunities. If those people are taken care of and provided for, that affects our entire community. People living in Camp 6 in Westport temporarily relocated to hotels, including... Wait, so if you're picking up the trash that's left behind by the homeless because that's what she's out there doing is that helping the homeless see i don't see the connection there i i don't i i can see the understanding that you're getting tired of seeing all this trash and your city is doing a terrible job picking it up i mean we can relate here in st louis things have been bad around the interstates but i i don't see how that helps the homeless 314-436-7900 last week i did a story and i posted this on social media the story was about how there's a pilot program or not so much a pilot, but there is a city in California, a smaller city that decided to pay the homeless to pick up the trash. They give them gift cards. So they don't give them money. They give them gift cards. So essentially when the police go around, if there's a wellness check or whatever it is, or make sure things are orderly, you know, not an open, whatever I'm guessing in California, open drug use isn't something that they're going to bother with. But if, they find themselves picking up trash and leaving them in garbage bags or whatever it is that they would provide for them. They get gift cards. And they said over the course of a year, they spent $10,000 giving out this gift cards, but it's a lot less than what it would have been if they were to hire people to go out and do this sort of thing, which is also an interesting point because if you can't hire enough people in St. Louis and you're still understaffed in that department, then why wouldn't you say, okay, we're going to take some of this money that we would have been paying a part-time person or whatever it is to go pick up trash. We're going to convert that into gift cards of something productive, you know, gift cards of something that they can use, not something that is, you know, something they can't use, you know, convert it into something else. That's a vice. Let's say, put it that way, um, but something that they could use and something that would be important for them to get a little bit of a, a boost or something to help their livelihood then by all means, we should be trying things like that in St. Louis. This would be a good idea. And I guess other cities have started to figure this out. Hopefully St. Louis could be there too. All right. So that story was from KSHB is where you can find it there. This is Overnight America KMOX. Overnight America with Ryan Recker is sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michael'sFlooringOutlet.com On the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. All right, welcome back. Got some time here tonight, and I'm looking forward to connecting with our friends in Canada. And I saw someone online that just posted a link that they're bringing back some old Kenner Ghostbuster toys from the 80s and 90s. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I better tell my wife 
uh, pretty quick because then she's not going to uh, question the money that I'm spending. She'll look at the credit card and say, did, did you buy Ghostbuster toys or did we have our account stolen? Nope, nope, that was me. So thanks to the wild internet and the things that you can see during the quick commercial break, that's always a very nice thing to do. You know, I wanted to replay this because, you know, I'm a big fan of Kevin Colleen and everything he puts together with his whole nother story. He got caught in a little bit of trouble this past week. It happened around one o'clock in the morning after election night. I was finally finished and happy to be heading home when I hit a pothole. Fathoom, it was a big one. Westbound 44 near the 7th Street entrance. And right away, the front passenger side of the car started to make that footaba, footaba, footaba sound. This was not good. So I got off slowly at the Gravoy exit and looped north to Lafayette to the parking lot of the Walgreens across from City Hospital. What a lonely spot. Walgreens was closed, and I was the only car there. I'll change it myself, I said. I opened the trunk, and there was fishing tackle and an old pair of plaid Little League chairs from eight years ago, but I, I couldn't even get the jack loose from the trunk mount. I thought somebody was going to come by and, like, wait till I, f you know, finish the job and then steal the car. I broke down and called Motorist Assist, and a man arrived like a savior in a shiny silver Malibu with flashing blue and red lights under the, under the bottom of the car, and he opened the trunk and a just all these shiny chrome tools in there. His name is Jimmy Essick. He roves the streets of St. Louis at night. He's a contractor who works for the insurance companies. They send him to help the stranded. <laughs> so what's what's it like, though? I mean, you work nights. You've got a wife and three kids, and this is you've been doing this for 20 years? Yes, I've been doing it for 20, and, you know, hopefully God can continue this in my life, and I can continue helping people. Yeah. Do you like it? Oh, I love it. You know, if you can be there for someone, you never know within that minute of being there what that couldn't have been if you wasn't on. Something can happen to them. You're you like know. the Good Samaritan. Well, I love just being there for people and, you know, on time, you know, because like I say, you never five minutes count. I mean, you never know what can happen the next five minutes. What do know? people say when they're glad to see you? I thank God you showed up, Jim. You know, it's just good to be good to others, you know. That's Jimmy Essick, husband and father of three, roving the streets of St. Louis at night to help people with flats. With a whole nother story on Kevin Killeen. All right. How about this? You know, my um, call screener thing over here doesn't update the way it should. So it looks like we got a couple calls. Is Big Al still on the line? Big Al. What up, buddy? You know, sorry to keep you there. You know, we got this computer screen thing where well, it's supposed to I'm update kind of a to big let me deal, know. So I don't hold for many people, but you happen <laughs> to be one of them. So How what's going you, on? Bud? Good. Very good. Well, um, I can't. I guess because I was born and raised in St. Louis, Dogtown, and then uh, moved to Bridgeton, St. Charles, St. Peter's, O'Fallon, and Lake St. Louis. Get my drift? Mm -hmm. um, I can see a pattern the, there. Yeah, because of the education and the ability to uh, do what we need to do for my son, who's a fabulous rep for Coca-Cola, mm -hmm. and my grandbabies, who are got a great future out of them. And how in the heck St. Louis elected Tashara over Kara's beyond me. 
But you know what? We got five hundred million coming, right? We do, and how million. it's spent is uh, uh, yes. makes me nervous. Right, <laughs> fix the jail locks, okay? Take those guys, <laughs> right? Take those guys and the workhouse people, and go get them, pick it up to trash because we're paying for it. Because mm-hmm. I am directly yeah. through the state, mm-hmm. and take the money and help the homeless that want to be helped, and go from there. And take yeah. some of that parking meter money that she's hoarding for no apparent reason. And uh, all our clonies and put that in the city. If you really care about it, Tashara, then we're from Missouri, girl. Show us. So Yeah. And you um, know what? The, the the big thing with her was that we need to fix the north side of St. Louis. We have crime and homicides through the roof. Right. Okay. You absolutely. know what? If you can fix Let's the homicide issue, police? absolutely. Yeah. Huh? So let's call a counselor. Yeah. They call nine one one, they're put on hold. Yeah, that's ridiculous. I mean, ridiculous. And, 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 and in Portland and all these cities, Seattle, that have defunded it, it hasn't worked, and the police are quitting yeah. because they have no backup, and they got Gardner and now Tashara and Wesley in the county. So you know what, people? You got, just like with Biden, you, you got what you wish for, so live with it. But I will tell you this, and there's one gleaming spot. The Republican Party has gotten more money in donations since we lost the election than ever before in history. Hmm. And if you want to rile the base up, no matter what party you're in, and if you love this country, if you see what's going on in this country with the voting laws that Georgia expanded the voting laws better than Delaware, Biden, Hmm. New York, New Jersey, and because you don't agree with them, you're racist, people... Wake up. Seek knowledge. Okay? I hear it. And get our country back to where we belong. Very Everybody good. has a right to say what you want. But my my dad got shot twice in Iwo Jima to, to be able to say, hey, this is how we feel. But don't cancel us out. Don't say you're racist. Because the Georgia law wreck is better than it was before and better than a lot of things that are going on in these blue states. Mm-hmm. So people, wake up before it's too late. Get the shot. Get back to where we need to belong, because China and Russia and Iran are sitting there going, wow. Mm. Court's open. Let's go. Very good, Big Al. Good to hear from you. I'm glad you called in. Much love to Big Al as well. All right. I see we got Chris there, but we're going to have to do that right after the break. So if you can hold on uh, a couple more minutes, it's Sunday night. I don't know if you have anywhere else to be. <laughs> so I hope that you could be with us here after the uh, break. And Big Al's always such a good, uh, you know, keeping it real type of guy. And it's good to hear his voice again. And he's right. Kara Spencer, I think, would have been a better solution. Honestly, I wish Lewis Reed would have been considered. I, I think he would have been great. But, hey, I don't know. Will the legacy of Tashar Jones be tied into the success of the northern part of the city? We'll see. It's Overnight America, KMOX. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? 
This boy isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.